Hi everyone, welcome to season two of the Frill Podcast. Hi everyone. What's new in season two? We are filming the podcast episodes now and they'll be available on our For Real YouTube channel, For Real TV, and all the information will be in the description below so you can copy and paste that, enter that in and check the For Real podcast out whilst watching it. Here next to me is Sifu Gwensu, master, founder of Jingmo Academy and me father. Hi. My name is Jung Su and I'm a senior instructor here at Jingmo Academy and this is what I do. So on the podcast, we talk about what we experience whilst practicing and teaching Kung Fu and Tai Chi as a full-time job mm-hmm. from the ages of three. Well, practicing from ages three, not teaching from ages three. No. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> that would be something. Yes. How you can contribute to the podcast is whilst you're listening and you have any questions or wonderings um, with our topics that we talk about or whatnot, you can send them through to our email address. That is forreal at jingmo.com.au, F-U-R-E-E-L at G-I-M-G-M-O.com.au, and we'll be happy to answer your questions and wonderings. That'd be great. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For Real is about passion. It's about culture. It's not just about sharing a Chinese martial art, but it's about sharing the light at the end of my tunnel, and maybe this could be the light at the end of your tunnel. Or you can just enjoy some really cool content, and this is for real. All right, so let's jump straight in, and this segment I'm calling Show and Tell. Okay. Just like school. (laughs) That's cool. Show and Tell. So if you want to pick that up, Dad. All right, yes. This is a... I'm going to say something brief about it, and then you can explain it all because you, okay. you made it. Mm. I think it's a old manual. And mm. On the front, it says Malcolm Sue Kung Fu School, Kung Fu Correspondence Course Part 1. That's right. Uh, put confidence in you. Mm. So, do you want to give us a background understanding of what, how the story behind... All that stuff. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah? So um, this was first printed, uh, first edition. It's a correspondence course that was sold uh, via magazine and newspaper. And the magazine was the Blitz Maz- Mag- uh, Martial Arts Magazine um, and the local newspapers. And it was printed in 1988. Hey, yes, 1988. So 23-y. Yeah. 23 what? I was 23 years old. All oh, right, yes. Yes, yeah. Because you keep referring to... 86. 86. Well, you keep referring to 86. <laughs> so, this uh, Kung Fu Correspondence Course, um, it's the old-fashioned. This is all all before we had internet and uh, videos, tapes were all the rage at the time, VHS and, and beta videos. And we had this correspondence course. Um, in self-defense, it was a part one, so it went through the foundations of uh, Jing Mo Kun and Pok Sao Gao Tre and uh, and Tong Zhang Hun Zhang. There we go, Dan Ma, Deng Ma, Song Ma. Usages and stuff yeah, right. like that. So what I'll do is I'll take a photo of some of these pages, the, yep. thing, the cool ones I'll see. The cool pages. The cool pages. And not I'll chuck e- it up. Not every page. Chuck it up on our Instagram for real official and you guys can check it out um, after the episode or if you're watching, you've kind of already seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any more about that? How um, it looks pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I mean, it was all photographed. Uh, we set up a mini studio at home. Yeah. Do you want to describe some of the pages? Do your best to draw a picture for yes. those who are listening. All right. It's black and white. Um, it's uh, A4 in size. Um, it starts off with uh, a letter from myself, 
um, thanking and encouraging those to get out there and do it. Then uh, we start off with marble, and the first little picture actually is how I I remember learning ma when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and it was uh, like I would stand in my ma, and then one of my sihings would use a piece of chalk and draw around the, my footprint, and then he'd get me to step, and then he'd draw a second footprint, and then step, and thirds, and fourth, and so on, and then went back and numbered <laughs> each one because like. I was only a kid then, and we trained on concrete, so it was easy to do. And um, I d- all I had to do was follow the numbers and keep my feet in these footprints. Mm. So then it maintained the correct posture. Mm. Yep. So Deng Ma, Dan Ma is in this one here. Um, and then I had some of our instructors at the time help out. Uh, seeing Michael Madden is wearing the pads, and the first ones were Limon Sansao, Poxo Gaotre combination. Uh, seeing Tony Russo is there uh, as my attacker in the usages. And seeing Kelvin Winterburn, applications for Charp Cell, so the beginning of the hand drill. Yeah, that's that was that's pretty much it. Mm. Um, How many pages is this? Oh, good question. Uh, let's see. It's on the top. 20, 18, 18 pages. 18 pages. Yeah. Yep. All right, cool. Well, yeah, like I said, I'll take some photos and you guys check it out on our Instagram for real official. Yes. Any more? No, no, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I thought I thought it was uh, pretty cool. So I mean, how I how did you? You said there's no internet, no, no. stuff like that. So how no. was this made? Oh, so uh, we contracted a printer and asked them to print so many thousand copies, and then we just sat there and waited till people ordered them, and then we put them in the post, took Jeez. it down, put them in an envelope, and then walked down to the post office and sent it. Old-fashioned style. Good old-fashioned style. <laughs> which, which we don't do anymore. No, that's why. Everything is like it, yeah. PDF, email, downloads. Yeah. I know. Save. S- copy. Save as. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I know. It's pretty... Wow. I know. It's uh, it's amazing, really, when you think about that we actually kind of survived that era of getting information. It was... It's obviously... Um, I can, I can see why back in the 70s and 80s, um, you know, clubs of all natures, you know, martial arts as well as other sporting clubs, just full of people. You're full of people because there was nothing else to do. Like yeah, there was there's no distractions. No distractions. There was only four TV couldn't stations. Watch couldn't watch the class. No, you had to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't have on-demand... Podcasts. Entertainment or <laughs> podcasts. Nothing like that. I don't even think iPods are out. No, no, no there were no iPods. No, no, definitely no iPods. So, you know, you still had to put a record and tapes on. Oh, yes, it was. It was the, it was albums because CDs didn't, didn't come out until the late 1980s. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. I think I think History maybe someone lesson. out there can actually clarify that for me. But oh yeah, that that period of time was like um, there was no distractions. You just had to get out there and do stuff. Yeah. Mm. All right. Like even TV stations um, turned off at midnight. Wow. Yeah, it went to snow. <laughs> this noise. Yeah. With the the. The colour bars. Yeah, the colour bars. Um, Were they not I think in some some stations had colour bars, but not all did. Someone went, just went to this noise. Just, just like turned someone off. turned off a switch. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> at, at the tower. I know. 
not like today, like how how many TV stations we have on demand, pay pay TV. It's ridiculous mm. the amount of stuff we've got. Mm. So uh, you know, I I strongly encourage people to get out there and do physical activity, go out there and take something up. Yeah. Okay, so the next section then, I want to talk about and prompt you to talk about as well your thoughts around martial arts versus or, or and violence. Mm. Um, I know our family, or especially you growing up with violence as a young child, mm. um, we practice how not to be violent here. Mm. Um, we have, we, ha- we, we um, provide a safe environment for everyone to express and release themselves. Mm. And... Um, there are some roughness to martial arts. Mm. Uh, you once, not you once, you have, we have free mm. form fighting competitions, which mm. is a, a pretty much full contact competition of mm. other um, styles coming together to mm. to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, topics of UFC as well. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts around martial arts and, and the borderline violence scenario? Well, I... I, speaking from my own experience, what I notice is that um, in martial arts there's uh, a, a big attraction towards the fighting and typically the violence behind the practice. And um, I, I can see that there is an absolute need and necessity for uh, an outlet like a controlled environment like in the martial arts club uh, to be able to express yourself and to, and to investigate this this need uh, and this urge to be able to express the the violent side of humanity um what i'm what i'm beginning to understand more and more is that my childhood in particular being surrounded by violence so there was a lot of fighting around at the time, a lot of talk about fighting. There was a lot of violence in our family, um, physical and emotional. What what that has uh, then re- reacted in me is um, this real acute awareness that when we're violent and we're uncontrolled, then we can be very harmful to others so my stand to myself is that I don't wish to unconsciously continue that pattern so I must consciously bring it to the light yeah I know that for example let's just talk about UFC when when UFC first came um, I had a quite interest in watching it and just over the years um, I'm not sure whether the rules have changed in UFC um, or not, but I myself have become less and less attracted to it to the point now as I can't watch it. I can't watch UFC. I can't watch the violence. I find that it it really turns something in me that um, that is it turns me right off, really. And I'm not saying that UFC is a bad thing. Uh, I'm saying that that's my response to it. Yeah. And so, therefore, I can't watch it anymore. When we came to the point of creating a full-contact fighting competition circuit here in Perth, one of the things that was very clear to me was that the safety of the participants had came first. And, therefore, 
after speaking to healthcare professionals and doctors and and um, members within our community, it was very obvious to me that the head strikes is where the problem was. And I think we all know that yep. just through other contact sports, the head strikes is where the problem is. So we took out of the equation any blow to the head, which then, you know, we had um, conflicting responses that some people supported it and some people said that we weren't really full contact and that was it wasn't a real fighting competition unless you can knock your opponent out you know all that stuff and um so you know you can't be everything for everybody uh we continued as as we went and uh had seven years seven years i think it was really seven i think it was seven years a quick seven years Mm. Uh, of competitions and at its peak, we're having a competition every three months at its yeah. peak. Yeah, so we had four a year. And um, I didn't see there was any problem, actually, with no head strikes. As a matter of fact, the feedback I got from competitors was that it was much more challenging. It was much harder because the head sits on top of the shoulders, much easier to hit, uh, uh, to deliver a devastating blow um, than to skillfully strike the body and the arms and the legs in such a way that you're timing it so that your opponent is off balance at that very moment and you kick their legs out or you're timing it that their breath is just extinguished and they're breathing in and you punch them so these things made it much harder Um, so therefore it did two things it opened up the opportunity for other styles for different styles fighting each other as well as a whole myriad of levels. So you can have a total novelist in in the ring with another novice from two different styles having a real contest that was safe and that was a, a positive building experience in their own self-esteem and confidence um, and learning. Mm. Whereas when you put head strikes in, then really the game narrows down to a very fine point and only open to certain participants, practitioners. So for me, I find that, uh, to answer your question, to have environments where there is um, clear boundaries and it is well managed and controlled that enables martial artists to express themselves uh, and challenge themselves and possibly even others, I think is a necessity. It doesn't mean that we're training violence, not at all. It doesn't mean that we're encouraging any violence or supporting violence. As a matter of fact, there's possibly even an argument to say that, well, if we can visit this physical contact and this confrontation in a controlled, consistent environment, then what what it means is that we're going to have less violence outside. Now, I can only speak from my own personal experience. Because I approach my experience with violence, I know I'm less violent. In the times, in the previous years, when I was a much younger man and I pretended that I wasn't violent and I pretended that there wasn't any violence in my life and that everything was fine and, and perfect and all the rest of it, um, I spiked quite often. And I watched myself spike on the road, behind the the wheel of a car. I watched myself spike when um, 
people disagreed with me, I watched myself spike at home. And, you know, I guess, I guess we all have a journey and a, and a path of, of self-discovery and learning. Um, but I think all of us would agree that the faster we get through the difficult times, the better. We don't all need to make the same mistake. And that's what I'm trying to say, that we can learn from other people's experiences and mistakes as well so that we don't have to travel that path too. So um, that's, that's how I see it. And I know that there are, there are people out there and possibly those listening who've been victims of bullying and violence um, that has been acted upon them by people who seem like they were trained in some form of art or martial art. And I, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. Um, however, I actually do question whether that person got trained much at all. Like maybe they always, uh, always had behaved that way or have chosen to behave that way. And regardless of their, their training and influence by others, it, it wouldn't have changed it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe that if you train a martial art properly from uh, a traditional teacher that the longer you train uh, the more self-aware you become uh, the less violent you are and uh, more positive experiences happen rather than the negative ones so I think it's necessary I really do I don't see that martial arts should be um, so protected or so um, politically correct that you know there's there's no winning or losing anymore or there's there's no failing of gradings anymore or, you know like i think i i truly believe that then it needs to be a reflection of the reality and that we can be compassionate and kind about the losses um but there has to be there has to be that there has to be that reality as well because that's what the martial arts is Mm. Okay, interesting. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was thinking about my experience with the freeform fighting mm. as you were talking. The the part that I I didn't couldn't identify at the time, but I think now if I was to identify it would be um, the part that I didn't um, feel comfortable or or enjoy. Mm. Was the hurting of others mm. from my from me mm. like, like hurting people? Mm. I um, it was a, like a kind of a difficult line to balance where we're in this competition mm. and our aim is to beat beat each other mm. <laughs> physically, but then again, I don't didn't like that uncomfortable feeling of hurting someone. Mm. Um. I think Ali asked me on Instagram when I posted one of my freeform fighting pictures, right. you know, like, why did you stop or what what made you want to stop or something like that. I think this is why. It was just that back then as a young dude, I want to say my last fight was when I was 16, 17, maybe, mm-hmm. 18, maybe, maybe. I couldn't. Yeah, I didn't like that person who was hurting people. 
in that scenario. Um, that you, you mean? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You didn't like that part of you. Yeah. Mm. That came out when I was being challenged and I, and, uh, you know, I do my stuff, but mm. end up hurting someone that can, contr- like, yeah, I don't know. Mm. It's almost like I wasn't intentionally hurting, mm. but my, my, uh, the outcome would have them be hurt and then I have to sit with that mm-hmm. for a moment, mm-hmm. but I won mm-hmm. and it should be good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it should be celebrated, but yeah. at the same time, some at someone's expense. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, I see that it takes a, a great deal more skill to be able to defend oneself against another without hurting the other. Yeah. So... It's definitely easier just to hurt. Oh, definitely. So I, what I say is that we all need to keep training to improve our skills so that we get to the point, wherever that point is for each of us, where we're able to defend ourselves, stop someone from hurting us without having to hurt them mm. at the same time. Mm. And that takes a lot. That, that does. It takes a great deal of mind, body and spirit, mental, physical and emotional self to yep. be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Definitely. Any more to say on that topic? No, no, no. Other than that it's very normal. And for those of you who are listening and you question why it is that you enjoy watching boxing or you enjoy the fights at the footy uh, or something gets triggered in you where there's a possibility you have to defend yourself and it, and it feels like there's a part of you that feels good because you're able to stand up for yourself or stand up for others. And then afterwards you question whether you're a good person or not. Yeah. I will say that you're not a bad person for having these feelings, that you are just a person and that it is normal for us to have these feelings. What Now that you realize that there is a part of you that is out there seeking and needing for it to be satisfied, this feeling of being able to channel that that energy, then I st- strongly encourage you to scope out a disciplined, a traditional uh, school that has a has a has values that match your family values, and um, do some study. Learn how to uh, navigate this part of your energy, your response to violence. And I know Jingmo or Michael actually uh, asked the question once, which we, we, I don't know that we've actually answered him fully. Um, but Michael, you did ask the question once about clarifying one night in class um, a statement you made, and that was that doing usages, you should, um, should, should you or shouldn't you, use maximum violence to end a fight quickly. And I think you said that, um, which I misheard. Uh, I think you said that you you thought it was to use maximum violence, but then I said it was to use minimum violence. 
And so framing that up, um, and of course this right now is not the time that we're going to answer that question, um, but framing that up we within in this... We could. We could. Okay. Well, I, how I see this related to this question is that... Um, so let's for those of you who are listening, Michael once trained in the academy when it was training under the, the old paradigm, the old name of the Malcolm Sue Kung Fu School. So it wasn't Tonglong Kung Fu Academy. It wasn't Malcolm Sue. It was Malcolm Sue Kung Fu School. Now we are Jingmo Academy. So we've had three transitions mm. um, over the fifty years. And in the period of time in the Malcolm Sue Kung Fu School, there was a brief time where my father actually, your grandfather, actually ran the school. And that was uh, from the late 70s, um, possibly even mid-70s when the name changed, but definitely in the 70s uh, through to 1985. So for that 10 years or so, maybe maximum 10 years, um, your grandfather was physically at the school and was running it. Uh, and I was in the background running the Malkavat branch and then coming in and helping out at the headquarters. But then from 1985 onwards, uh, yeah, yeah, had retired and he'd stepped away and I'd taken over, even though my title wasn't Sifu at the time because I was just so young. Um, I didn't want that title at that age. Um, that that's that was my role. So the culture changed in that period of time, but in the process of change, there was still some leftover, some lag, and that's where Michael, where you came in, um, in the nineties uh, and two thousands, where the culture hadn't completely flipped yet, and it was still in evolution. So there were still parts of the Malcolm Sue Kung Fu School. Um, culture that was all about being as violent as you could in the shortest amount of time to extinguish the violence by being more violent. Now, at the time, I, I couldn't articulate any of this, and, and I was going through a, a very challenging period of my life where I uh, was kind of clarifying who I was and still honouring my father who was also my Sifu, and trying to work the balance between the two and disagreeing with him. Like, how do I disagree with how he was doing things or how he expecting things to be done um, and be myself at the same time? It was really hard. So, Michael, back then, I agree with you, that's what was taught. It was that Every technique you delivered had the intention of one blow, one knockdown. And I think even in your period of time, it might have even been encouraged that your intent was to kill your opponent. Now, it's really uncomfortable to say that because I know that that's actually possible, that we can lose total control or total in, uh, compassion for another human being and do crazy stuff. And of course... Um, you know, it's easy to say, yes, well, you know, they they made me do this. Well, I, I say, well, no, there's no such thing as people can make you do anything. Um, I think we just, there's a part of us that conveniently likes to be rescued and allows another person uh, to take the blame. 
And I, I think that that's what it is. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying we are bigger than that. That once we can name it, then we have a choice. So, so that's my first stand. The second one is, if I was to use violence to extinguish violence, then when does the violence end? Mm. So, I, I, in other words, I keep feeding the cycle. So, when is it going to end? Yeah. Now, this is this is quite a, quite uh, an interesting subject because some of us might say, "Well, yin yang, Sifu, you you talk about yin yang all the time." There, there, for anything to exist, there has to be equal balance of its opposites. So, you can't have harmony without uh, you can't have peace without war. You've got to have both. Well, yes, true. Absolutely. So where is the harmony then? Just because someone else is violent doesn't mean I'd have to be violent. Yeah. I can allow them to take the violence. If that's what it is that they want to hold and they want to represent, they can be violent. I don't need to do that. So I will balance that. And therefore, between the two of us, there's harmony. Now, harmony doesn't necessarily mean that we're giving each other a cuddle and a kiss on the cheek and saying, you're all good mates. I'm not saying that. Harmony actually means that there's existence. So we can sustain our existence. We can just keep going. So for me, it's, it's taking a peaceful stand to violence is not not fighting. It is not being passive. It is not allowing others to hurt me. It is the total opposite. In opposite in the way of, I will stand for myself. I will protect myself because nobody has the right to harm me. But also, I have no right to harm others because what is right for me is also right for others. So therefore, my, my commitment is that I will continue to practice to improve my skills so that I am able to protect myself and inflict less and less harm onto others. So I don't believe I'm there. I don't believe I'm there yet. But that's your your intent. That's my intent. So that's one of the reasons why I keep practicing. And it's not uh, it's not a, a practicing from fear. It's a practice. It's a practice for conviction. It's like I am I am committed to this. Yeah. That I do not pass down to the next generation because I got it. I got it from my father. The violence he got it from his father. My grandfather got it from his father. It's been passed down genetically. And those of you who are uh, into the research can go onto Google and, and find oodles of research that shows that that uh, violence is a genetic thing. It's passed down. Our trauma is passed down from generation to generation. You don't have to have seen and witnessed the trauma in order to get it. It's part of our DNA. So, you know, that that's an, another reason why, in a, in a much deeper level, why I believe that there is a definitely a place for martial arts schools and communities to get together to help people unravel this mystery. Like, how do I, how do how do we all um, stop the trauma from being passed down to generation to generation? Because 
the next generation has its own trauma. Why does it need ours as well? Um, so that's that's my personal take on it. And uh, hence, Michael, when in class, uh, I didn't hear that you said with as much violence as you could and I heard with as little violence is because that's my belief. And I'm sorry I didn't hear it at the time, but I'm also glad that we were able to talk about it. And, and uh, I'm also... Uh, pleased that we have a culture here at the academy where you felt it comfortable to be able to question your Sifu as well and say, Sifu, hang on, I thought it was about more violence. Why are you saying I've got to be less violent? So um, I think all of that's really important, uh, that uh, having having the environment to be able to be heard as much as this uh learning experience and this this whole culture of creating something bigger than ourselves yeah mm. yeah i think i think for me it's the the importance of self-awareness and your and your intent because you know this I, this is not the first time i've heard i've heard people or us talk about this sort of subject yeah it's out there and yep. some people stand on that side some people stand on this side yeah we're all having a point of view, but mm. I think it comes down to your self-awareness, where you're coming from, yep. and your intent of of your beliefs or actions. Yep. And, you know, mm. no one's right, no one's wrong. It's just mm. how we want to pass down to generations or how we want to practice our arts, mm. isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone will do it differently. Yeah, mm. exactly. That's... And I think that's important because we're all looking for something different. Um, and you know, as I said to a colleague of mine in Brisbane, I, I said that your student has a relationship with you that is really special and it cannot be replaced. And whilst he's trying to find someone to replace the relationship with you, he's not. He's going to be disappointed. Mm. And, and I said, so therefore I'm not going to teach him any Kung Fu. I will teach him Tai Chi, but not Kung Fu because... He's looking for a replacement to his sifu, which nobody can do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's a very unique relationship. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, next topic then mm-hmm. of our podcast. Um, it's about your medium posts. Ah. So, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Dad has a uh, sifu. Gawain has a medium post. Has a medium blog. Mm. which he posts on and mm. um, you post one last week which I want to refer to but feel free to talk about any other posts mm. but before that um, how did you get into writing a blog and what's your intent with it and what do you what do you find that brings you satisfaction around it okay writing S- a blog so writing my writing a blog I don't know what came first really chicken or the egg the chicken or the egg <laughs> Um, but I started writing my blog at the beginning of my 100-week Yulu Challenge, yep. of which I'm in currently started week 88 this week. Um, and I, I, I felt like I wanted to write a book. I had no idea what I'm going to write about. Yep. But I, I had this urge, and I thought, well, if I start with writing a blog, then that'll get me good practice to write a book. And so I don't know which came first, whether I wanted to write 
for the book or whether I wanted to write to report on my oh, yeah. 100 week yearly challenge. But okay. th- they happened all around the same time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I was writing uh, once a month uh, up to a point, and then you inspired me to write every day when you started to vlog every day. Yeah. And then I got a real flow on it. Um, and now I've come back to it. I had a bit of a, uh, uh, a hiccup, I guess you can say. I, I got a bit of a, put the brakes on it for a little bit. Um, I think that happened last November. Yes, last November. Um, when I was at, in Bali uh, assisting Master Chen with his workshops and he said something to me which I'm not sure whether he intended the for for this to happen but he said something to me that made me stop writing mm. and I you know there was quite a few people who were disappointed but I I wanted to sit with that uh and so I went back to about monthly rather than writing every day and um so now I I've I think I'm ready again to um, to blog, but I'm going to blog weekly um, at this point, just because I'm so busy. Yeah. Um, with we're doing daily Facebook posts. Uh, we've got our podcast and other medium channels, uh, other media channels that we've started. So um, I think if if I can get back to it weekly, it'd be good. Yeah. I can sustain that. So what do you write about? Exactly. I write I write about my journey in practice. Yep. And what I notice about myself and what happens through my practice. So they're kind of reflections and musings of of practice, of daily practice. Okay. And in particular uh, what daily practice does for me, how it transforms my experience of life. Okay. Mm. Right, well, I have a, your last one here mm. that I've pulled a quote to, from. Mm. Um, so the title of your previous, um, your last blog mm. is What Brings Me Happiness, Satisfaction and Mental Health. Mm-hmm. And you wrote, don't get me wrong, I'm just another guy often doing his best and equally stuffing it, uh, stuffing it right up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so yeah. do you want to talk about your last post? Yes. And kind of wanna, yeah. For those who haven't read it, what, what, what were you writing about? Sure. So that blog um, was a reflection on uh, noticing how daily practice affects my emotional and my mental well-being. Yeah. Um, the week before that, I had a, a viral. I was traveling with a, a viral infection, and I don't know what it was, uh, but it, it grabbed me well and truly for twenty-four hours. And um, I was kind of standing at the point of, wow, I am so physically exhausted. How am I going to do my daily 24 ULUs? Because I do eight ULUs three times a day. And um, I just went through them at a very slow, at the, at the best I could do, which it felt like it was only 10% of my, my ability. And what I discovered was immediately after doing ULUs, um, like immediately after doing a set of four ULUs, my emotional state was lifted. 
And then I noticed the thoughts I had in my head were positive thoughts. So I figured then that two-thirds of my being was being improved through daily practice, even though I was violently ill, uh, fevering, shivering, aching, uh, feeling nauseous, dizzy, all of that stuff, uh, sensitive and pained all over the body. Uh, I would still do my practice. Not at a point where I would exhaust myself, but I would continue practicing, and I managed to still finish my my quota of 24 a day. So what I noticed was, and in my title, What Brings Me Happiness, Satisfaction and Mental Health, is we all want to be happy. We all want to live longer. How do we do that? And I'm just sharing what I do. And my statement there that you've taken a quote out of is that I'm not perfect. Yep. I'm not special. Um I just happened to start my practice of martial arts earlier than most people. Yeah. But I'm just an average guy with the same intent of doing the best he can. And I stuff it right up all the time. Yeah. Like I put my foot in it regularly. And I get triggered by it. Like you said, when I walked in today, clearly I was traveling with stuff because I was triggered by a conversation I had on the way here. And I'm just another guy. The point I'm making is that just another guy or just another girl can do daily practice. Like yeah. you don't have to be born into this. You don't have to be Chinese. You don't have to be training since you're three. You don't have to do it for your job. You just be a normal person. Yeah. Can still benefit from daily practice. Yeah. And the type of daily practice, and I'm not talking about spiritual in a religious way. I'm talking about spiritual in a human way. Yep. So when when we practice daily, it improves our emotional state. When we feel higher or feel better in our emotional state, we will have positive thoughts. When we feel low in our emotional state, we have negative thoughts. It's really that simple. When we have a high emotional state, feeling positive then we make better choices for ourselves like we make better choices of food because we're feeling better because we're thinking clearer we then have the energy to go i'm not going to eat that crappy fast food i'm going to make myself something proper to it you know i'm not going to drink that soft drink i know i need energy i'm low so i'm going to have good fresh water and i'm going to find some fruit or or make myself a juice you know so when we're in that state, we can make better choices for ourselves. And yeah. that's the physical part. So yeah. we can actually help our physical body that way. Yeah. So my my blog uh, are reflections. And some of them weren't as, as easy and clear as that, uh, you know, because my, my journey ha- ha- has been reporting on what it's like to go from zero, like doing, not doing 24 euros a day, not doing 100 euros a week, to doing 100 euros a week. So I didn't build up to it. It was like, bang. I went from nothing, like just doing it when I could, to now I'm doing 20 today. Yep. And I've just built it up to 24 because it, it felt better. So I went through this this whole process. I'm still going through the process. Just because it's week 88 doesn't mean that I've mastered it at yep. all. Right? My Last week, well, I think I reported my body ached so much. Like I it hadn't hurt as much as it ever hurt before last week. 
Uh, this week, that pain's gone. I don't know. I don't know why it's gone. I'm just watching. I still consistently do the same practice, roughly the same time of day, the same number every day, every week, and just reporting on that. Yep. Uh, and I haven't stopped working full time. I haven't stopped being a dad. I haven't stopped being a husband. I know still do everything. And we just added this in. So to prove to all you guys and girls out there who say, look, life is really busy. I don't have time for me. What do you mean you don't have time for me? Yeah. It's like the first person we must have time for is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if it, if you don't do it for yourself, do it for your next generation. Do it for the others. Because I see that part of my responsibility is not just to practice a healthy way of living for me, but also for the generation and the legacy that I leave behind, like for my children, for my students, is to set an example of what can be achieved. And then, like the Tai Chi principle says, turn every push into a pull. Every day we all seem to feel there are parts of the day where we've got to push our way through it. I hope that this example of just a normal guy doing going about doing the same thing every day as a matter of fact my challenge was i started my 100 week yulo challenge on the day that william was born so we had a newborn in the house as well and those of you who are parents will know what that's like still a daily practice happened and it's possible to do all of this um, you can do it you, you can actually do it and, and I'm not saying that you know like get out there and do it it's like you can do this like it is possible yeah you don't have to be anything special the yep. world doesn't have to stop turning in order for you to have time for yourself yeah yeah no it's it's um it's crazy that once you know we have a few jing or we have a lot of jingmos doing the daily practice project with you yeah and how they're like oh wow like this can be done like this i feel good every day when i do some Mm. practice but i find it's like it's not something you get until you get Mm. that makes sense yes and i was sharing with the parkinson's tai chi people today um just asking you know who, who practices outside this one day a week that we get together if you put the hand up and I was expressing how, uh, you know, we all should do some daily practice. If you feel good after Tai Chi, then continue it so that when you when you come to our next class, not only do you do you remember more moves, but you feel confident in learning more, feel confident in remembering more. Because part of the process is that they come once a week. By the time that next Tuesday comes, I forgot what, I, what we did last week, mm. you know. Um, but I was asking, you know, who practices outside of our Tuesday classes, if you put their hand up, I said, great, what do you do, what do you do, what do you do? And um, one 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 lady shyfully said, oh, I did a little bit. I said, what's a little bit? She said, oh, I did some in my bedroom in front of my mirror. I said, that's practice. Mm. That is practice. That's, mm. that's not a little bit. Let's not downplay it. Let's not mm. put yourself down. Let's lift yourself up because mm. that is practice. Mm. If you do that for seven times a day, Sorry, if you do that seven times a week, mm. that's a week's worth of doing. Mm. And then by Tuesday, when you're here, you've done seven times practice, mm. more than you would have a, if you didn't. Well, even doing it one day extra is 100% more than before. Exactly. Mm. And I was just sharing, like, that is practice. Mm. It's, it's not something you have to find an hour in your day 
and you have to have no emails and you have to have the perfect this and all that stuff. Mm. It's like, don't, don't, I'm tr- trying to explain to you, like, don't express yourself. Oh, I only did a little bit because mm. you did it in your bedroom. Mm. No, that is, that is practice. Mm. Where, where mm. else do you, do you need to practice? Mm. Mm. You know, we don't always have a really big, um, what's our academy? 14 by 11 square meter mat. Mm. It's, it could be just two by five mm. or two by two. Mm. You just mm. do your practice. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, I just find it, it's really fascinating. I did it too. Mm. Fascinating how your mind plays, I call it tricks on you where you think it has to be this, mm. this whole thing mm. before you can practice. Mm, mm. Whereas, you know, yeah, Vaughn shares with me, he's making cups of tea and instead of, um, standing there doing nothing whilst the kettle boils, he does twisting tail mm. that's practice mm. you know that's right so yeah mm. anything else to add for that one no not at all no no i think we've covered that one quite nicely all right cool all right well let's um let's do some quotes eh, before okay. we finish this episode yep all right so first we've got three quotes today so okay. first quote is from bruce lee once again you can tell that i like grabbing his quotes don't mm-hmm. i um it says defeat is a state of mind. No one is ever defeated until defeat has been accepted as a reality. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? That kind of goes into daily practice, doesn't it? It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Very true. I think there's probably science around that, um, which uh, which I'm not qualified to report on, but there's probably a listener out there who can send in some science research that that will confirm that. Um, but definitely in my, my own experience, my anecdotal experience, there are days where I, most of the time I feel like I've got a, I've got a hang of this, like I've got this. And then the days where there's a glimpse of, wow, maybe I failed, uh, totally changes my my view and my experience yep. of life. So everything just goes... Yep, everything goes down, narrow, deep, dark. Yep. And really the world hasn't changed, it's just my view on it. Yep. So a defeat, if defeat is that I've lost or that I've failed, the moment I feel that that, I, that, that has happened, it has happened. Yep. And nothing has changed, like nothing has changed. Yep. And and that's that's like... That's living every day. I'm not talking about a once-off competition. I'm talking like every day you come to work and you do your thing and you go to class and you train and you look after family and you take kids to school and pay the bills and, you, you know, plan your life and all that stuff. And most of the time I feel like I'm on top of it and we've got everything handled and then there are those days where it just goes zoom and it feels like, nah, I've really screwed up. This is it. We're not getting out of this. Yet nothing had changed. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing had changed is my view on it. Yeah. Like the world had not changed. Exactly. Just my view. So I get it, Bruce Lee. I, I get what he's saying. All right. Really good. I think this could be another context for daily practice without even knowing that we're talking about it today. But yeah. it says, no matter how many mistakes you make or how slow you progress, you are still way ahead of everyone who who isn't trying. True. Yeah, true. There's a belief in daily practice that you're not really practicing unless you're doing proper 
100% yearlies. And yeah. I, I remember this one one day when when we were in the mountain together last. Uh, 17. 17. No, 16. Together? We, 16. I think you you were, weren't there 17 because you were at that push hands comp. Right. So 16. 16. 16. And, and Sing Tom was there? Oh, I wasn't, was I wasn't there that one. Oh, so you were there that time? No, was I that, wasn't there. Okay, was that 17 then? That was 18. 18, okay. Yeah. S- last year. Yeah. All right. So I remember standing there filming Sing Tom and Tim who were, were doing the afternoon practice and they were doing some push hands with Henri. Okay. And uh, one of the other instructors. Yeah. And whilst we were filming, you know, in um, in uh, the hall across from the, the main conference center. Wang Ting. Wang Ting. Yeah. It's really slippery because it's dusty. Yeah. You know, they had yeah. a wind blows in. Yeah. So I was doing yilus, but because it was so slippery, I was doing it, you know, quite high in the stance. Otherwise, you'd just fall over. Yeah. And um, one of my Tai Chi sisters, she came up, she said, um, are these part of your... 20 yearlies and I said a day and I said uh yeah she goes oh if it's like that I can do that too oh. I said okay yeah did she do it she, no <laughs> <laughs> but my my point is I, f- I, th- I felt the heavy judgment ah, right. of um the heavy judgment of well you're not even doing it properly of course I, I could do that too like she's 70 something Right, and struggles to do uh, prop, proper yilus back to back because she has also a physical uh, disability with her legs, and just that heavy judgment on me, I knew that it was a heavy judgment for herself. So that she was judging herself at the time that she won't do a yilu unless it is proper, which means she doesn't do any yilus at all. Or does when, when are we ever? Exactly. Yeah. And the th- the thing is, in, in my experience, and others might disagree with me here, but this is my experience. Being, starting the 100 Yilu Challenge, 100 weeks, we start doing the best we can at the beginning. And we keep doing the best we can all the way through. And when we get to the end, the best at the end is very different to the best at the beginning. Yep. But I can't do... And if I was starting my Yulu challenge and I looked at someone who'd done 100 weeks, 10,000 Yulus, and went, I can't do it like he can. Yep. I need to do it like he can before I start. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not proper. Yeah. The point is, you've got to start. Yeah. And you start doing the best you can. And you just keep going constantly consistently doing the best you can. And that means some days you might only have in you to do 10%, like when I was ill. Do the best you can. And there's always something to be gained. So by the end, when you finish 10,000 yearlies, you're doing it this particular way. You can't do that at the beginning. But you can do the best you can. Yeah, I think that's where comparison really cuts you off. It does. Because you compare and then you go, well, I can't even do that, so... No. Why would I? Why would I even waste my time? Yeah. Unless, well, that's crazy. I think it's a missed opportunity. Mm, definitely. Mm. All right. So out there, do that. Those of you listening, <laughs> yeah. yeah, get started. Exactly. Just get started. Do what you can. Hundred mm. percent. 
All right, now... Well, sorry, the quote starts with now, but next quote is... (laughs) (laughs) Now, every time I witness a strong person, I want to know, what, what darkness did you conquer in your story? Mountains do not rise without earthquakes. <laughs> Didn't we talk about this uh, last week? Or, or was it in class, was it? It was in class, I think, about... Stable as a mountain yes. range, moves and axle spins. Yeah. Ah, okay. I have to get that video off you so I can edit it oh, and okay. play it on the podcast. All right, cool. You can do that next week. Um, <laughs> now, every, every time I witness a strong person, I want to know what darkness did you conquer in your story? Mountains do not rise without earthquake. an earthquake. That's very true. That's very true. Um, all I can say is that I get that exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yes, I, I, I don't even think we No, it's, need it's to. said there. Yeah, it's, 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 it's right a very there. strong quote. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Done. I, I think it's done. Done deal. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the episode today. Before we sign off, any final words or thoughts, Dad? Um, Dad, Daddy. <laughs> you sound like William. Um, no, I, I don't have any thoughts. I think we've we've said it all. I, the the only one thing I will say, and I'll keep saying, is that's, that I. That's a thought. Yeah, it is a thought. I I keep. I encourage you, Jingmoa listener. I encourage you. Take on a daily practice. And if you've started, keep going. Good on you. Well done. Keep going with your daily practice. Awesome. All right. Great. Well, you can see more Fruil content on Instagram at Fruil Official and on YouTube, of course, as you're watching this podcast at Fruil TV. And once again, whilst you're listening and you have any questions or wonderings for us to talk about and discuss on the podcast, send them through to our email address, forreal at jingmo.com.au. And that's F-U-R-E-E-L at G-I-N-G-M-O dot com dot A-U. Once again, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. See ya. Hoo-yah!